that Mr. Sandy Claus? I want to do it. Let's draw straws. I'm the master of fright and a demon of light, and I'll scare you right out of your pants. To a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mr. Unlucky, and I'm known throughout England and France. And since I am dead, I can take off my head to recite Shakespearean quotations. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of October 25th, 2020. This is episode 106. Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, 20th Century, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. Hey, got some nice responses from last week's episode regarding the Black Cauldron. I just wanted to share with you guys. Put a poll out there on Twitter. And from the options of either you loved it, it's good, it's eh, or you hated it, 20% of people loved it. 40% said it was good, and 40% said it was eh. So nobody hated it. And I got some other people saying directly to me that they actually enjoyed the movie. Uh, that they've actually watched it recently with their family. And they liked it. They enjoyed it. Some people, not so much. Other people are big fans of it. So that just goes to prove you. Just because it may not be your favorite movie. And just because you may not like it. Doesn't mean that's not someone else's favorite movie. So that's something always to keep in mind. Wanted to share a little follow-up, some, uh, you know, follow-up to last week's episode before we get into this week's topic. Before we get on, though, we'll be right back after these messages from our friends and sponsors. Hey guys, Ralph Ralph Universe here. Are you into uh, nerdy things like Pokemon, Marvel, and Disney? You've come to the right spot. We have videos, we have games, we have contests. We just do all sorts of fun whether it's going live during the week or posting about an article about a new movie coming out. We do everything we can to keep you in the know and have some fun. Oh, and we have swag too. So come on, we're everywhere social media can be found and we want you to become part of our family. Stay nerdy. And now, on with the show. You're joking! I can't believe my ears! Would someone shot this fella? I'm drowning in my tears! It's funny! I'm laughing! You really are too much! And now, with your permission, I'm going to do my stuff. Some movies come out in our instant classics. Some movies come out and take a little extra time to ferment and become what we know of them or what we think of them today. Case in point, this week's movie for Halloween, just in time for Halloween, is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, to be specific, and we'll get into that a little bit later, possibly. This movie came out October 29th, this week, 1993, so 27 years ago. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, Nightmare Before Christmas, 27 years of taking over uh, Christmas and making it Halloween, which is something that they do at Disneyland and some of the other parks. They will overlay the Haunted Mansion with Jack Skelton, the Nightmare Before Christmas theming. Not something they do in Disney World, though. Come on, Disney. Get to it. 
has to do with timing, though. That actually has to do with timing and, and being able to shut that ride down for a week to be able to overlay it and then, uh, again, in the back end having to do that again. And whenever you have one of your more popular attractions, you don't want it to have too much downtime. But The Nightmare Before Christmas, from what I remember when it came out, was popular, but limitedly. It, it, it wasn't this huge, amazing success that so many people, you know, maybe remembered or think of it now. It it did well. It made money, but it wasn't like it wasn't a must see. It wasn't like a Frozen or a Tangled or some of these other um, a Toy Story. It wasn't one of those type of movies. And it, it had a very interesting beginning on how the movie came about. And, it, you know, it, it's it's very different for a lot of the Disney movies. First of all, you had Danny Elfman for one of the first times to write the movie. Um, he wrote 10 songs. And he said it was one of the easiest jobs he's ever had. Uh, he had a lot in common with Jack Skellington, according to Danny Elfman. And Chris... Uh, Sardin was casted as Jack Skeleton's voice because his speaking voice kind of matched the singing voice who was actually Danny Elfman himself. So Danny Elfman sings for Jack, so whenever you hear him singing, it's actually Danny Elfman, not Chris. Patrick Stewart was actually um, did the original introduction to the movie, which can be heard on the film's soundtrack. And in 2001, whenever uh, picture, Walt Disney Pictures considered producing a sequel, instead of stop motion, Disney wanted to use computer animation. Tim Burton was not having this. He, uh, he convinced Disney to drop the idea because he said it was not what he wanted. Um, it was always, he was very always protective of Nightmare, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and did not want a sequel because he, to him, it didn't make sense. Said, you know, Jack visited, you know, what do you want to do? Him visiting Thanksgiving World or just, you know, he, he felt that there was a, a finality that you did not need to necessarily go back and explore more. That it kind of wraps itself up and anything else would kind of just be repetitive and just would not carry the same message. The movie itself is actually based on a poem that Tim Burton wrote himself while he was a Disney animator. Um, the poem was in, supposedly inspired after seeing a Halloween merchandise display in a store being taken down and replaced with a Christmas display. So you have the ghouls and the goblins replaced with Santa and reindeers. So this kind of got him thinking. And, you know, just like the the melding of the two holidays and the, the, the closeness of them. He said the, the poem was three pages and it was titled Nightmare Before Christmas. And he wrote this actually about 10 years before the movie, in the early 80s. Burton took inspiration also from the television specials of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, the 64 special, the 66 How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and a poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. So that was some of the stuff that where he got his um, inspiration from. If you actually have the 2008 special edition uh, Blu-ray, Christopher Lee narrates the poem um, with some new animation visuals to it. In this poem, though, there was only certain characters. You didn't have the, the full array of characters that appear 
in A Nightmare Before Christmas that most people realize or most people are familiar with. So, you, I mean, you have Jack, obviously. You have your main um, protagonist. You also have Zero. And you have Santa. But that's it. All the other characters were developed later on for the movie. So, Sally, Oogie Boogie, all of them, later on, not from the original poem. But that, that does not mean that they're not important and that they don't help with the, the story. Took a group of around 100 people three years to complete this movie. Uh, for one second of film, they used 12 stop motion moves. Um, so there's a lot of movement for each little second. So it, it takes a while. Stop as much as claymation or stop motion um, animation is as wonderful it is. And like, look at the groups, of, um, the stuff that Ardman has made. It is a long and painstaking process because you just you have to move just slightly your your puppets just slightly take a picture and move them slightly again and take another picture and those pictures again it, it's you know it takes that's one second 12 12 frames for one second is it takes a lot so you know considering how long these movies are that's a lot of stopping and moving and stopping and moving and just ever sl again slight movements and you just have to do it just enough you you know any like for instance jack himself the character of jack skeleton had 400 heads with four different uh, which broke into four different expressions so you happy angry etc and you'd have to switch those out to to create his movements and and everything uh his movements and his expressions and his his face so every time you see his his face move it's basically it's another head and they had to sw keep on switching out the amongst these 400 heads sally i think it was is very similar to that um sally's mouth movements were animated through replacement a uh, replacement method so during the animation process only sally's face mask was removed in order to preserve the order of her long uh, reddish brown hair so ha Sally had 10 types of faces each made up with a series of 11 expressions eyes open and closed various facial expressions um, and synchronized mouth movements so Sally was a little different instead of moving the whole head which Jack is a bald round it's a ball of a head basically it's, it's not as um, needing for detail or following detail so you could remove the whole head and move it sally you do have the motion of the hair um, and everything so you had to keep that in mind so basically it's a face plate that came off and you'd pop on another one not too unlike the creepy clown oh fun little fact zero's uh, nose actually is a tiny glowing jack-o-lantern speaking of fun little facts the one of the things oh, I will get back to some of the casting that I really wish they would have done and it just it really goes with the the time of the season and everything Santa Claus was originally uh, according to Henry Selick the vice president at the time originally they wanted to cast Vincent Price as the voice of Santa Claus and I think that would have been brilliant I love Vincent Price I like his work I mean he's got a very unique voice you know you hear him in Thriller and he just adds so much to as wonderful as that song is 
his monologue in Thriller just helps sell that song, especially for this time of year. Uh, his work on Masterpiece Theater, Omega Man, um, Last Man, just in the in, Bat, in the Batman series, he always just had his voice is just so defining, and to I think it would work perfectly in this type of story, even as the character of Santa Claus. I mean, it's kind of weird to picture Vincent Price as Santa Claus, but hey, I think it would have worked. Unfortunately, at the time that this movie's production was going on, Pierce's wife. Um, had to begin to uh, she just passed away and his own uh, health was become, uh, becoming very questionable and becoming very frail and so was his voice performances they were becoming very weak and just they didn't think that it was it wasn't going to do him justice and I they didn't feel that it was probably his best work that they you know to to use um, so much to their regret that they recasted the role of Santa Claus um, and then uh, whenever the film first premiered October 9th at a film festival 16 days later Pierce passed away Vincent Price uh, Pierce. why well, I keep saying Pierce I apologize Vincent Price what's wrong with me Vincent Price passed away 16 days so just actually it was right before the de- official debut of the movie so four days basically before the movie came out in the United States uh, very sad Eventually, Santa Claus did get the um, the role went to Edward Ivory be, was given the role of Santa Claus. So that's who you hear now. And you have Ken Page as Oogie Boogie, Paul Rubens, Paul Ru- Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, and DJ Rex. DJ Rex, pa- Paul Rubens is Locke. You have Glenn uh, Shattuck as the mayor. William Hickley as the evil scientist, Catherine O'Hare as Sally, and Shock. Talk about two different characters there. Whatever uh, Chris as Jack Skeleton, Danny Elfman as the singing voice of, of Skeleton. You have Susan McBride as the big witch, WWD. Debbie Durst as the corpse kid, corpse mom. Greg Profs as the Harquin and the devil. You have Carrie Katz as the... The Man Under the Stars, Vampire, Randon Kershaw as Mr. Hyde, and Shrew Ball as the Mummy, Camilla Twill as the Undersea Gal, Glenn Waters as the Wolfman, Mia Brown, uh, L. Peter Chandler. You have a lot, you have lots of nice people in here, all lending their voice talents to it. But yeah, so Paul, Paul Rubens has locked. So again, Pee Wee Herman, you know. The man's talent knows no bounds, especially in voice talent tree. Fantastic, fantastic. They, they really work stuff into it. And one of the things that I think most people don't realize that is as much as Tim Burton is, this is Tim Burton's movie. And everyone respects that it's Tim Burton's movie. Um, one of the things about it is that Tim Burton wrote the movie. Henry Selick directed the movie. And it was more Selleck's work than Burton in the look. Selleck knows of Tim Burton and knew of his style and made the movie in Tim Burton's style. But he was, Tim Burton supposedly was not that present. He would show up for a few hours each year that it was in production and kind of go over things. He would supervise, he would work on some of the editing. It wasn't that he wasn't involved in it, but... He was more working on other stuff, some of the his other projects at the time, than this one. Take it as you will. And there's a lot of dispute 
not saying that there's bla- bad blood. And supposedly there is none. You know, we everyone touts that it's Tim Burton's movie, and it is Tim Burton's story, but it's Selleck's movie. So that, I mean, that's something to, to kind of keep in mind. Delving more back into the depths of the movie. First few seconds after the title shown, you can see that there are actually seven holiday doors. Glowing clo- going clockwise, the doors are a pumpkin for Halloween. The decorated Christmas tree for, but of course, Christmas. A turkey for Thanksgiving. Must be an American one. A brightly colored egg for Easter. A green four-leaf clover for St. Patrick's Day. A red heart for Valentine's Day. And a red, white, and blue firework that can be seen the very beginning, just for a few seconds, uh, for Independence Day. The American Independence Day. Again, Thanksgiving and all that type of stuff, it's bound to be an American song. When Jack is singing his lament, is he kind of um, puts in there that he was born from a cadaver located in Kentucky, which he considers unlucky, and that he had been plucked, uh, publicly known in England and France. Whom can he be? And I don't think it's Captain Jack Sparrow. Something, uh, um, something in the consistencies with it. In some of the video games, like Kingdom Hearts, Oogie Boogie's burlap sack is colored, is, is like a brownish gray. And in most of the promotional materials, games, merchandise, and uh, Disney Parks stuff, his color is a neon green, which he only appears as whenever he's in the casino lair lit from the backlight. Oogie Boogie's original, originally was going to be revealed as Dr. Finkelstein in costume, uh, who fabricated the Oogie Boogie persona to get back at Jack and Sally, but that ending was scrapped. So instead of a bag full of insects and stuff coming out, whenever the big reveal, it was supposed to be Finkelstein, um, which would be kind of interesting because Finkelstein, for the most part, was in a wheelchair. But in this case, you know, he would be able to move about and uh, in the, the burlap sack. I think that would have been an interesting twist. You kind of can get that feeling as the movie goes along about Finkelstein's feelings towards things that are happening. And it would kind of fit the, the story and the narrative of Finkelstein and relationship to Jack. And of course, Sally's relationship in, in uh, the middle of all that. Knowing that, and, and as curious, I would have been to see that. I think that would have played out well. Um, I am happy with the decision that they decided to keep Oogie Boogie as his own own character and not have be connected or be part of another character in in sense, you know, being actually Finkelstein in disguise. So the fact that it's it's not um it's not Finkelstein doesn't bother me. Though again, interesting little twist. I mean these things happen and change all you know throughout the movie making process you get one idea uh, and as you're working through you realize okay this idea is not it's not going to work it's not part of of what I uh, I feel the movie should be or the direction we want the movie to head into um, you know Luke and Leia not necessary they were brother and sister until the third movie that they decided oh maybe they should be brother and sister um and again, as the movies play out, you kind of realize, okay, that kind of does happen last minute because there's a few things that happen in some of the uh, original Star Wars movies that makes you kind of wonder the relationship between Luke and Leia and to find out that they're brother and sister. Um, 
some things aren't legal in all 48 states. Let's just put it that way. So, but back to Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, and it wasn't in theaters. It was someone that I know that was in high school said, you need to watch this movie. I took it home, and I watched it. And as much as I was promised I was going to enjoy the movie, I can't say I did. Um, I can't say I did. And to this day, I, I've, I've grown to appreciate the movie more, um, particularly on the cinematic end, as much as I understand claymation. Um, I, I really enjoy claymation work stuff. Hey, I grew up in the, the 70s and 80s. There was a lot of claymation. Gumby, big thing, loved Gumby. Um, and later on, Wallace and Gromit. Uh, so claymation, I, I appreciate the, the art form um, and the, the difficulties behind it. And I always, you know, I always thought claymation was cool because it really gives the dimensions of the characters. So I appreciate the film and it, it is um, in its art form. I'm just going to say this now. It is not a movie for me. It's not It's not one of my popular picks of a, of a movie. It does fit the theme. And yeah, okay. It's a Halloween movie and whatnot. Um, and it, it brings up some... It comes... At, it, things, it tells a very unique story. You usually don't find stories like this. Uh, you know, the, the idea of the pumpkin king taking over another holiday and, you know, oh, I'm just going to replace so-and-so and take their, you know, Santa Claus in this case and to take over his place. Give Santa Claus has worked too hard and I'm going to be nice and give him a break. Not that I know anything about Santa Claus's job, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Brilliant idea. Brilliant idea, Burton. And it, it, it works. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just not a movie that sits that great with me. Um, again, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. My kids love it. My boys are watching it all the time. They, I, I want to say since August, they have been watching it nonstop. Maybe that's part of my issue. <laughs> but no, um, it, it's no. It, it just for me, it's it's you know not every movie is going to be for everybody. Again, I enjoy The Black Cauldron. Not everyone else does. This is a movie that, over the years, has be grown a lot in popularity. And it's taken on a lot more steam and a lot more um, a popular... You know, become a more relevant movie um, in its post-release and uh, post-video dates. So this is not something that... Yeah, I'm not going to take lightly. People enjoy it, and well, they should. It is a very thought, well-crafted movie, and you want someone to do a Halloween movie. Tim Burton's your guy. Come on, I mean the 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 way that the guy directs and films movies, and his imagination lends to the the Halloween holiday perfectly. So I'm not taking that away from him. And again, you know me, I try to be positive on everything. So I, I am being, I'm looking at it as a positive lens and I'm not going to say I hate the movie because I did not hate the movie. But again, it's not one that is high on my ranking. I would probably give it a five, uh, five. really, I want to say a six out of 10, but I'll say six out of 10. I, I'm going to give it a six out of 10 and, you know, above the marginal line. Um, yeah, upper half. Why not? Because it, again, it's not I despised it. I enjoyed it. 
It's not one that I'm quickly rushing to go back and see, but again, maybe it's because I constantly hear it in the back of my car, running and playing in, or in my boys' rooms, um, that they're watching it yet again. In fact, this year for Christmas, we're all dressing up as Nightmare Before Christmas uh, characters. My sons are Jack Skeleton, Zero, my daughter Sally, and I'm going to be walking around as Oogie Boogie. A very pathetic Oogie Boogie, but that's besides the point. <laughs> So again, I so I don't have a problem with the movie. It's just not one of my favorite movies. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You know, uh, hey, hey, it's better than Ernest Scared Stupid. Okay, people, Let, let's give it. Let's, we gotta give it credit where credits due. It's better than Ernest Scared Stupid, and I love Ernest P. Whirl. Uh, I'm a big Ernest fan. Love Ernest Goes to Camp. Love, love Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, but um. Yeah, now, Aaron is scared stupid. Yeah, let, let's move on from there. We're, we're going we're gonna to skip that one because we're focused on Nightmare Before Christmas, which is better than Aaron is scared stupid and, and, and many others. For Halloween, it fits in perfectly. And, you know, once a year is fine by me to, to watch this movie. Uh, am I stopping everything to watch it? No. If it's on in the background while I mildly enjoy it, yeah. It's fun. Again, I appreciate the craft. I appreciate the the art of it. But when it comes down to it, it is is a well done movie, well thought out, and a brilliant angle and fresh idea uh, on things. So, what is your take on Nightmare Before Christmas? I want to know. Let us know. Shout it on the social. Put another poll out there. Put another poll out there for people to to vote on. Um, you can find the polls over on Twitter at Disney Marvels. But conversation-wise, join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney Marvels Podcast. Or join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Disney Marvels Podcast. You can also find us on the Instagram at Disney Marvels Podcast. We'll po post stuff up there too. Uh, maybe I think I could do polls on there. I maybe I should do a poll on there too. You can also email the show to DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. Or, please, I would love to hear you leave your voice messages uh, through the Anchor app and or website, or just record it on your phone and email it to us. Uh, again, to the Disney Marvels. Links to everything are in the show notes. I want to thank you for your time. I know how crazy everything is. Halloween's coming up. Going trick-or-treating. You, know, you can listen to us while you're walking around with the kitties. So the fact that you've spent some of that time with me means a lot. And... I ask this every week of you, and really, it, it really does mean a lot if you can help out the show by telling people, telling people that you know, if you see someone wearing Disney stuff, hey, check out the Disney Marvels podcast. Got different stuff going on over there. Or you can, uh, or even better, go into iTunes. Leave a rating. Um, we, we have all five-star rev uh, reviews so far, which is fantastic. I feel truly blessed. Thank you so much for that. Uh, keep them coming keep those five star reviews coming you want to leave, uh, type up a review that's even better the more of that type of stuff that we get the more that people will find out about the shows it, it helps expose the show on iTunes and trust us you want us exposing ourselves don't forget to subscribe to the show while you're at it you know this way you always know when new episodes are posted sorry I've been a little behind on it as I said just in the moments before life is crazy it's hard to you know find <laughs> find time nowadays to do anything 
And isn't that the truth? The school stuff going on, whatnot, which kid is home and which kid is not, or all that crazy stuff. Hey, why are you guys consider becoming a premium subscriber? This way it helps the shows out. Keep the lights on. Keep reviews coming. All that fun stuff. Buy new technology to be able to help keep the show in production. You can do this over at Anchor at anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support or find our Patreon page where you get some cool stuff by subscribe, um, signing up there and helping the show out that way. Links to all this is in the show notes because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Hey, whatever craziness you're dealing with out there, all the, the madness of the world, all the insanity, all the um, darkness that is surrounding the world at these times, and the uncertainties, and just not knowing what to do and what's safe, don't give up. Just, just hold on. This too shall pass. Believe me. As if history has taught us anything, this too shall pass. It, and it's it's hard to see that now. And I can understand that. And I can understand how it makes you feel. But hold on to yourself because there's a light within you that is going to help guide you through this. Embrace that light and let it lead you to the to the better times, to the, to the salvation that is you that's going to help you become the stronger person. Never give up. Never give in. Be your own hero. Don't rely on others. Believe in yourself. I believe in you. You should believe in you. You are fantastic and you are worth it. I'd like to finish this week's show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. The motion picture has become one of the marvels of all times. A truly wonderful wonder of the world in its magical powers. But what it has brought on the screen for every man and his family to see and ponder has been even more wonderful. That's Walt Disney. Thank you all for listening. And I'll see you next time. Happy Halloween, everyone.